Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. My name is Rob Snow White. This is Series 2, Episode 59, Fly Fishing for Golden Masir in the Himalayan Outback with Misty Dillon. You can find out more about his tour company at HimalayanOutback.com. This podcast is recorded live at Whitlow's on Wilson in Clarendon, Virginia. This episode is brought to you by Flying the Flats, a Charleston, South Carolina, coastal-inspired, soft, good clothing company. I've known the owner, David, for several years now since we met at the Yeti booth at iCast. I absolutely love his dry-release, long-sleeve casting tee. It keeps me cool in the summer. It's a great base layer in the winter. It is so soft, I had to buy my wife one because she kept stealing mine to sleep in. You will often see me photographed wearing this shirt on social media. You can go to flyingtheflats.com. Please support David as he is supporting the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. Without further ado, let's get to talking about fly fishing in the Jungle Book. All right, so you may be able to hear in the background some ZZ Top. 
Yeah. Lozon Wilson and Misty, you want to introduce yourself? Hey, my name is Misty Dillon. Um, I own a company in India called the Himalayan Outback, which has been doing these fly fishing adventures since um, the year 2004. Um, it started off from scratch. We never knew anything about fly fishing, yeah. and we got these local guides involved, and we were we were we were pretty pretty amazed at the results. And this Indian ichthyologist called Prakash Nautial came up with this information in 1995, which you know said that these fish are insectivores, you know, for a large part of their adolescent juvenile life. Um, and then you know we've just over the years we've just been our, our fishing is gradually increased in terms of the sizes of fish. You know, before we used to, you know, five pound fish is mahseer used to be a great fish. Today a fifty five pound mahseer is a great fish. Fifty five pound mahseer is a great fish. Fifty five pound. Yes. That's a child. It's like a large child. That's like a large child. Yeah. 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 So one question is, you run a company in the Himalayas, but you're here at beer time more often than people that live here. My wife, I, I fell in love with a girl from here, and so she's, she brought me back here, okay. um, and um, we were back in India in the season times, which is the best times to be there, the spring and the autumn which is March and April, some of our best times. March, April, May tends to get really hot, but the fishing also gets hot as the glaciers melt in China. And the, and, and, and the runoff comes off. So these fish starts, they, they spawn in the monsoons, which makes it quite a, quite a fish, which swims in these so hostile 55 rivers. pound fish in raging water. In raging water, absolutely. Wow. And it's, uh, I've really not fished all around the world. I've just fished for Masia. And a lot of the guys, because of this association to steelhead fishing, just the styles that we use and techniques that we use in catching Masia now for the bigger fish. Uh, have been a lot, very much like steelhead because of the also the style of the rivers that we've been fishing. It also can resemble trout fishing quite a bit, depending on the smaller rivers that we have. There's one we fish outside uh, one of our main tiger reserves, which is which is your equivalent of the Yellowstone National Park. It's called the Cobber Tiger Reserve. It's one of our highest concentrations yeah, I, of the tiger. I'd be I can't handle tigers. <laughs> Those things are vindictive. Like, they will. There was an R, uh, NPR story. A guy wrote a book about one that. A guy killed like one of its cubs, and the thing just hunted like him and his family down one by one, and his pets. Killed the pets not to eat them, just for revenge. Yeah, just for sport. Yeah, we have a lodge, little lodge outside the tiger reserve, and so we have a, uh, we have a, we were allowed to fish inside the tiger reserve since until a few years back. Now we're anglers are no more allowed to fish inside the park simply because. Jeff Curry, didn't you hear that story? Jeff Curry came within 60 feet of a tiger. Really? <laughs> the day he caught a record size mass here. This is back here, back in 2008. Um, uh, and uh, this is the time we were allowed to fish inside the tiger. So our Grand Slam would be a double, double and it was all site fishing because it's a New Zealand like trout river in critical tiger habitat. Uh, but we still uh, we still have rights to fish about 40 miles of that river, but it's outside the tiger reserve. But it's as spooky sometimes. We have this new tigress in our lodge area, which is big. Yikes. So if we're going to throw a dart at India, where would this be? Literally up on the border with Nepal, north of New Delhi. Okay. Just 200 miles, not even far. I mean, you land in New Delhi and then you take a short connecting flight, an hour's flight, and you're up in the Himalayas. And from there you go up at on a drive for about six hours we divide that drive out uh, we make you do about two hours first day and then about four hours four to five hours the second day and then you end up right up on the border with Nepal India and Nepal 
goodness. And this river. What's the elevation? The elevation, you go up to about 8,000 feet as you're, and then drop back down into the valley, which is the valley is about 2,000 feet. Okay. How did you get into all of this? I think this is some past life connection. Like, I was something, something to do with what fishing. I mean, I fancied someone, maybe, you know, it was a time of the Raj when India was ruled by the British, and I wanted to, you know, go master fishing. And then I got this life and got all these opportunities and, um, so, and got to make a career, passion, passion, my passion, a, a job out of my passion. Yeah. So the Masir, ma, you call it a Masir. It's a Masir. A Maha, a Maha is a beautiful name in Hindi, which is our native language. It means great. Maha. Lord, mighty. Maharaji. Mighty, Maharaja. Maha. Maha. Okay. And Seer has many uh, interpretations as a Masir is divided all along Pakistan. The Himalayan Mahasir, this particular species of Mahasir is one of the most widely distributed varieties of Mahasir. It's all found all along the Himalayan foothills from Pakistan all the way through the Himalayas of India, Nepal, I'm sure parts of China, uh, Burma, Bhutan, of course, before right. that, Burma, and I believe also parts of Bangladesh, um, and the legendary fishing, uh, the legendary rivers. Uh, talked about in some of the rivers were in Burma, in Myanmar, uh, uh, in the 19, early 1900s. Uh, the Ganges has also been amazing river and also uh, also has his, some historic fishing which has happened on it. Uh, uh, this particular river that we fish is called the Mahakali. Mahasir are indigenous fish. They very much like most other fish don't like dams. You know, they run in a really, really pure, amazing strain of genes, uh, which is these, you know, thousands and thousands of years of evolution of this fish, which the largest scales in any freshwater fish and largest fin-to-body ratio, developed in this extremely hostile environment and the highest amount of out-of-body slime. You know, they look absolutely iridescent and prismatic. Like, you know, it takes like a team of otters to take down a masir. A masir is a very hard fish. And it has one of the most amazing features of the mass here is it has a lateral line, which is what sharks have, which is what detects like th one drop of blood in a thousand thousands of liters of water. These things can predict landslides, earthquakes. They just hear everything. Earthquakes, and they're just so sensitive that lateral line makes it, which is what, why they're like the permit of freshwater fishing. Okay. You know, they're just so, and they're, and, 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 they're, and they come together. And they're and just basically giant minnows that are just adapted to live in a harsh environment. Yes. And so, the, we've also found lately that they love eating crabs. Crabs? Are there crabs up there? Yes, very big crabs in the rivers. The entire, the rivers have got lots of bugs and they're very... Freshwater crabs in the Himalayas? Yes. Big freshwater crabs in the Himalayas. I had no idea. Yeah. So we saw a video years ago where they're using a, like a cherry bomb fly. It was like a red ball. It looked like a fruit maybe. Yeah. Masi are omnivores. They will take the opportunity to do any, eat anything. If there's a little monkey sitting on his tree and he's dropping, dropping, he's dropping in the water, then the Masi are going to eventually end up eating it. In fact, the old fly fishing record by was by, by a British lady. I think she's English. English. Uh, um, uh, my friend Charlotte at Ardwark McLeod in, in England told me about her. her. Her name is Leela Rocliffe. She fly fished the Ramanga inside Copper Tiger Reserve, the legendary river, the, the river, the, the you know, Tiviot and the, and the Spey and the 
tweed of Scotland right. salmon fishing. This was for Marcia fishing, you know. A river in, just came out the Himalayas into critical tiger habitat and the most stunning uh, elephant grass and you're fishing in this crystal clear New Zealand-like trout river absolutely full of Marcia that you can sight fish for. And she uh, found that these fish were eating uh, the langurs, our native monkeys were dropping in the water. And she found this Marcia's feeding right under there and she tried to fly to replica the droppings and she caught a 35-pound Marcia oh sight fish for it. Oh my goodness. Jeff Currier did it a few years back with Sculpins, with Morris Sculpins. He sight-fished for these guys. We've never been a wireless dream scene, guys. It's chuck and duck Sculpins at these things, you know, with Streamer Express lines and like sight-fish for these like 25, 30 pound fish. So what kind of gear would someone need? Do you guys outfit if someone doesn't yes, have their own? Yes, literally. We have everything. Okay. You know, we've got Temple Folk Outfitters and Hatch Reams that hooked us up. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll hook you right up. The tackle is a delicate present, delicate balance between power and presentation. You don't want to go like slapping the water with a nine weight. Uh, you want your, you know, seven weights, you know, maybe an eight weight in heavy water. But that's the delicate, delicate, because these are powerful fish. First run of a masseer will, you know, it burns out many reels. I mean, it's like a saltwater fish. What I mean, kind of tippet would you use? You're using, a lot of times we use a saltwater tippet, you know, 20 pound fluoro. Pretty much hard fluoro, hard alloy, mono, you know, the kind of stuff they use for GT fishing sometimes. Right. Are there fly shops in India? No, they're not. We take everything from here. Right. <laughs> you guys are awesome. You guys, you know, they everyone helps us out so much. That's great. Everyone's so helpful here. So we take everything back with us and all order it online and have it delivered back in the Himalayas. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So if someone wants to book a trip, what would be the process? You just go up to our, our representatives here in the, in, in, in the U.S. who are fly water travel and the Yellow Dog Fly Fishing Outfitters. Okay. And, uh, and, and all these guys have been up with us a bunch of times and they know the whole drill and uh, book a trip. That's crazy. Yeah. Visit our website, himalanatback.com. It's got all the details of the departures leaving. And then, you know, as these guys are best based in the U.S., uh, both fly water travel and Yellow Dog Fly Fishing, all right. they're best handling your bookings. What's the food that... You guys serve it's up. everything. They're serving Italian. We've, our chef's been with us since the operation, since 12 years. So he's amazing. He does some amazing continental stuff. But he also does some incredible Indian food. The food, you, you will not lose weight on this trip. It's, you know, proper, lots of curries, of course. Fantastic. Um, and lots of Indian barbecues. And the camping style is very much on the African style fly camps. It's nothing like camping in America. It is glamping. Right. It's literally clamping, and as embarrassing as it is, it is great after a day of on the river of flogging. Because these, you know, hot weather triggers these fish off. You know, unless and until the sun's not biting into your back, it's not the right time to go fishing. The water temperatures, the higher water temperatures, they, they boost their metabolism. Hence, when you come back to camp, you're flogged. You know, you want a proper camp. You know, your bed's done up. You know, uh, it looks like you're having a G and T tonight. Uh, yes, yes, and G and T's. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Bombay? Yes, Bombay Sapphire. <laughs> you should get sponsored by them. You just get like cases set to cases camp. Cases set to camp, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. All right. Um, what else do I have? Gear food. So there, 
you just basically any fly, just, as long as it's well presented to them. No, it's tube flies. We, uh, we 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 need your flies to get down. For the big boys, you need you need you need a bit of a drop in the water. For which we've designed as, I don't know, you guys fish some huge tube fly, heavy tube flies. Here, I know some of you, Potomac fly fishers, and we've designed some tube flies ourselves, which are like literally pieces of. They're not, they're not high profile, but they're small. And we use an extra select trough for them. Just we'll very lightly dress our flies to be able to let them get into the current as soon as they hit the water. Right, just get it. It's to get into that fast water because the Marsi are holding in much faster water than you can imagine. They, that's why the first run is just so powerful because they literally hit the current with a big fin to body ratio. You slick right down the rapid. Is it safe I mean, wading? It is fairly safe wading, and everyone practically just you know for a trip of six guys, we were running about fourteen staff looking after six guys. So there's a lot of guys up on the river keeping an eye out to, uh, on you. Certain times of the year, the wading's fairly easy. Sometimes it gets, sometimes it gets a little slippery, but never life-threatening. We're never having you wade more than needy for the most okay. part. How far are the casts generally? We, we, we like big casts. We like 70, 75 foot, consistent 70, 75 foot casts. We, we, we love fishing two-handed rods. Okay. You know, anything right. that gets you some distance, chuck and duck big tips with the tube flies having said that you can go and skate top water flies crease flies because these fish when they'll they come up and crush these on the surface at night wow. so the nightly pattern of these rivers is all the minnows get pushed up against on the banks because the masi are a high hugely nocturnal fish they have huge amounts of suction masi is literally like the vacuum cleaner of a river the mouth opens in the shape of a perfect vacuum cleaner literally sucking and leaving these enormous marks on rocks. Sometimes when there's no food in the river, they feed on algae. But that, but that suction mouth will suck a snow trout. Their favorite food is a snow trout, a fish, which is a snow trout can grow up snow to- Snow trout? Yes, it's a beautiful species. It looks a bit like a rainbow trout, but it looks carpish. It's cyprindiform, so it's like a, it's, every fish in this river is these are powerful. But the snow trout is an incredibly beautiful fish, uh, can grow up to about six pounds and it's uh, master love it. Like they'll gobble down a pound snow trout, you know, literally from far away. Like the suction and the vacuum is like boom. Do you ever they get the same thing. Bashir that have a snow trout sticking out of his throat? No, we never get that. But uh, the snow trout have literally the guys who fish with bait. They've got the you know a guy got a seventy plus pound fish on a snow trout, live snow trout. So we're trying to now find tube flies to copy these snow trout because that's de- definitely the most delicious food. Having said that, you know, Bobby, our head guide, he's consistently taking fish over 50 pounds on the fly. Now, lost the big one this season. Yeah. Uh, he's got it figured out, but we're still, you know, with our travelers, we're still at that 40, 45 pounds. I think the best one of our travelers has got is about 42 pounds. So we're still, it's in that, it's in that, still in that cutting edge process, uh, which makes it very exciting. And then the more clearer, smaller rivers offer a more trout-like habitat where you're fishing, actually triple Ds and, you know, dry fly fishing with five baits. Uh, we have that sort of fishing from us here as well. Uh, smaller fish, more fish uh, on dry flies and nymphs. So, um, does it sound like you're going to get a boring day out there if you hook it in. Yes. Even a small one sounds nuts. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's the exciting part of it. Uh, it the next fish can be two pounds or it can be 42 pounds, like, literally. Uh, and, you know, they, they, they all take the same way. As we're fishing a lot of, uh, we're fishing a lot of uh, swinging. 
with a, either dropping a loop on the swing or just swing the fly. And we're also finding a lot of like those plucks. You know, it's amazing how the, such, the whole fishery is evolving with, you know, fish which have been hammering spoons and plugs for decades as, you know, generations of British anglers fish for So them. those guys have known about, we're just hearing about it now over here. Like, ten years ago, if you said a uh, masseur, yeah. I mean, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Mm. So the British guy, and they say wherever the British Empire was, trout were. Trout to introduce for us as well. Yeah. We're up in the highlands of Jammu and Kashmir, one of the prettiest and the most rich parts of our region. Rich in every culturally, these areas are take you literally. You go over these mountain passes and you literally take a step back a hundred years. In tradition, in folklore, in stories, in medicinal use and plants and medicinal, and healthy, you know, societies, you know, which is you know families living together in harmony. Work, entire villages working as a team. I had a client who was a professional skier. He was from Germany. He said, I said, where's the best place in the world to ski? He said, Kashmir. I, be, I believe so. It's, it's pretty pretty. Yeah. Aren't they shelling back and forth though? Like Pakistan We do shell India? with Pakistan once in a while. Once in a while. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, but parts of Kashmir, uh, parts of Kashmir where the trout fishing, the trout fishing is always associated as a proper thing to do in the summers. So that's all the proper families would get together and go trout fishing and golfing. So up in this place called Pehelgaon, which is, I wouldn't outfit trips there. It does, uh, but it's, 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 it's an amazing, a very inexpensive trip of flight to take to Srinagar and it's perfectly safe for tourists. I, I, I and my wife are there. And we, I, I, I feel more unsafe in streets in New Delhi than, than in Kashmir. So okay. we had a blast. We had lots of beautiful trout, tri flies and nymphs. So that tradition is still there. There's still beats. Spinning is the still... The British style. The British style. Spinning yeah. is still sinning. <laughs> spinning is sinning, they say, in those boats. Uh, and it's all fly fishing. And, uh, uh, and, it's, and it's a great, it's a great, uh, great introduction that they did. Do you guys have to wear, like, tweed and <laughs> at all? Uh, probably. What, what, would be, what would you wear out there for, like, the heat? Mosquitoes? Bugs? No. Surprisingly, you'd be Altitude. surprised. Like, as much as India, 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 India. Aren't... Our travelers get bit by a mosquito maybe in Delhi, maybe, you know, maybe in Delhi they'll get Outside of Delhi, because the moment you're landing in Delhi, we literally take you and put you up on a five-star, five miles from the airport, and then you're on a next domestic air, uh, flight out into the Himalayas. It's a short flight, um, uh, five times a week, which literally takes you to the base of the Himalayas, from where you start your drive up to a seven and a half thousand foot uh, lodge which is a lovely lodge which overlooks the grand panorama so as you're driving to Nepal border imagine geographically you're getting in an entire standing in the edge of the world with the, you know, the, it's with like the, the fish are just the icing on the cake with 2,000 miles of like you're standing on the edge of the mountains as you drive for the four and a half hours to get to the river you're standing in the panorama with Pakistan 2,000 miles and K2 to your west China to your absolute north and Nepal to your east you know, with Mount Everest, maybe 300 miles as a crow flies, 350 miles as a crow flies. Do people have to sign up for like a global rescue? We always advise global rescue. We've never had to use it as much as I think the, it's, the, the icons of, on your website. Yes, yes. So we have a global rescue. You know, you book through with Yellow Dog or Flyfish uh, or uh, Flywater Travel. You, they, they will have their, um, uh, their, their, their. We highly recommend that. We've never had to use it. It's a very Fishing-wise, they're luxurious trips. The staff looking after you, you know, every step of the way, pretty much, to the moment you land in Delhi. Uh, uh, so, but we definitely recommend um, 
getting insurance before you come. I had a client that had a heart issue and had to get medevaced out of Montana, middle of nowhere. Yeah. He's like, if I didn't have that, I mean, Ooh. he wouldn't have any a, a penny to his name. Wow. If he didn't have the global rescue. Wow. He said it is one of the best investments for traveling you can make. Yes, absolutely. They do a great job. What should people not bring with them? Um, too many dry lines, too many intermediate lines. We like, we like the first thing we like to see in your fly box is literally like a 300, 300 grain sink tank, like you know, running, floating running line, standard TV, uh, you know, Rio airflow. Everyone makes them just a standard, you know, 30 foot, 27 foot, beautiful, well made 300 grain sink tip with a lovely running line behind it, which is robust, you know. Uh, our rivers, I mean, you, you don't get a lot of backcast space. You pretty much, you pretty much, you, no, well, you, 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 which is where the shooting head's coming, you know. We do like literally two, two halls, you know. One hall, tip is out, second hall, about two, three feet of line out, you know, put it out there, uh, carrying these heavy flies, um, uh, which is why a lot of times when, you've, when you're fishing a lot of water, we almost prefer that you fish a 200 rod just because you can just cover so much more water with it. Plus in that heat, that sounds like a lot less energy expended on that angler. Yes. I like the combination of a double and a single handle fly rod because these fish are so freaking smart that sometimes just getting up to them, you need a single handle rod and a stripping basket. Now you need to make that first cast 30 feet away. They will come right across the river to check it out on the first cast. Their lateral lines are so in tune. You'll have a 30 pounder like just literally in crystal clear water, literally come right up to you. Check, check it out. And he knows you're there. How He's old like, would a 30-pound fish be? Probably about, they say, a kilo a year. Say about 15, 15 years. So they remember the old British years. dudes. They remember they the tweed the guys there in their wellies. Taking out their their parents. And yeah. That's crazy. Do you ever, like, one accidentally dies and you get to open it up and see what's in its gut and just... Probably crab. Probably, like, snow trout. These bigger fish are eating. They need to eat. Big food. I mean, they're expending a lot of energy in that snow water crab. as well. Can you eat snow crabs? So, so you can. I'm sure the, nobody eats the crabs, but snow trout are delicious. But all the fishing is catch and release. Just part of this whole policy because we have th- years, thousands and thousands of years of cultures in these rivers, and we have to kind of set a good example in front right. of them. Well, if you guys eat everything, there won't be business for you. Absolutely. There won't be fish left. Absolutely. And that's something the valleys have done very well. The young men of the valleys have got together and they make a lot of these guides who guide people. They've learned. There's a lot of English emphasis in India. So they, a lot of them, even though they do speak broken English, English is the dominant. Everybody wants to speak English. That's yeah. what I found out in Montreal. Everyone started off with French and then realized I didn't speak French and it would just go straight to English. Made my life much easier. Except trying to buy beer at the grocery store. I was buying like 2% light beer because I couldn't read French and I'm sitting there drinking I'm like this beer tastes like piss and I don't feel a buzz and it turned out because I don't speak French wow <laughs> so what if you're not an angler it's, there's other things to do that it's incredible it's incredible ornithology so, so no you start your trip if you're not an angler we work with one of one of the finest naturalists of the country really this guy called Ritesh Suri who takes these amazing nature treks into these high-altitude Himalayan national parks within the tree line. So you have all this amazing flora and fauna sitting up at about 8,000 feet with the Himalayan views, in-your-face Himalayan views. You know, have chances of, you know, setting up trap cameras to see leopards. I've got massive leopard population in this particular region, Uttarakhand. We have a snow leopard or like a... 
we had the snow leopard further higher up in the Himalayas. Yes, we do a snow leopard trek as well, incidentally. Our company, Himalayan Arbeit, does a snow leopard trek. And the sightings are pretty successful. In fact, it's, it's now getting sold out and too, having the opposite problem of too many tourists going up for the snow leopard trek. And, uh, so government has now cut down quotas and reduced numbers of people who can go up into the passes. But the leopards, the regular leopard, like the, very much like the African leopard, right. very much the same size, same behavior, can pick up a fully grown cow and pull it up a tree, like grown our Himalayan cows, which are not as big as your cows, but cows. They're proper cows and they take them up trees. And I mean, to be a cow's a cow. They're big animals. Big animals. They're hugely nocturnal. Uh, uh, but a great huge population of leopards in, in, in this particular area. We have the Himalayan black bear, uh, probably about 300 varieties of birds, including the great Indian hornbill, which is uh, various varieties of parakeets, flycatchers, amazing exotic birds. So the birding, the Himalayan views, and as you drop down into the valley, you hit the Jim Corbett Tiger Reserve, the national park, with one of the highest concentrations of the Bengal tiger. And that's where you, it's the only park in the country, India, which allows you to spend the night inside the tiger reserve. So, yeah, I'm going to pass on that. There are very few animals that I'm scared of. And we're talking like basset hounds, scorpions, I actually, cobras. Are there cobras there? Ooh. They like the most docile snake. We're going to do it inside. Yeah, we'll start in a bit. Right on. He got he got the regal vice to start with. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. He said, what, what should I get? He went off. Got the full rotary Bubba. regal. Awesome. Yeah, man. Awesome. So, cobras? Oh, yeah, king cobras. Record-sized king cobras. Uh-uh. But that's the most docile snake. I mean, I've seen people that, like, give them water and they'll drink out of bottles. But the fact that they can kind of arch up and look at you in the eye. I've never, I've never seen that in my life. None of my staff, like 14 guys, no, maybe one or two have seen it. But, no, we've got this crazy guy who goes around. You know, he's a snake rescue man, so one of the Himalayan villages, because once a, that's one of these snakes, because our houses in the Himalayas are made of stone, slate, straight up. It's all stone, like the walls, like solid six, seven inches thick. Um, and this, when the snakes get in there, and it's, they're all very partially lit up with all these, it's very hard to get them out. <laughs> and there's this dude who lives, he's a fishing guide as well. That's the local thing, like, call him he over. He just goes and catches it. He's just, he's crazy. Oh my goodness. But those snakes are the most, the most docile snakes. I'm more scared of the smaller ones, you know. But, uh, but luckily the times of the year that we do these trips, uh, there are less snake times. There are, snakes are more in the monsoons when the humidity and the heat pushes them out of the ground. My goodness. What do they eat? Just other birds, snakes. The king snakes. cobra eats other snakes. Uh, pythons eat mammals of all sorts. The pythons there too. You have pythons. There's a whole jungle book. My goodness. Uh, if, we, if, we, if we go 300 miles further east of our park, we have one of right the greatest success stories. Book. Stories of the one-horned rhinos. So we've got 300 miles from our tiger reserve and where our lodges. There's a tiger reserve called the Dudwa Tiger Reserve, which has got the, the one-horned rhino. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Now, are those hunted down? Like no. 
How do they oh, keep poachers out of the park? It's one of the uh, we, we're one of the best uh, one of our biggest success stories to brag about is the one horned rhino. We've done such a I mean we, I, we started with something like probably like 300 or something. It's up at over 3,000 today. Wow! They've just done so well. They've done a brilliant job. We for a country with the biggest population in the world, you come and see our wildlife. We've got more tiger reserves now. Like we've got more national parks to getting declared every. It's amazing. Uh, more and more tiger reserves, more lodges going into tiger reserves, more ecotourism. Uh, Indians want to get up there. They're fed up of all that, you know, the corporate, you know, ruts of, you know, we're copying, aping the Western lifestyle and trying to have that dream life. Everybody wants to get out there. And Those animals are worth so much more alive than dead. Just for the tourist dollars, and whatever travel visas, visas done, you all know, that. WWF, uh, I think the forest department of our country as well. They've done a reasonably good job in getting all the... You see, our population also works as intelligence. You've got so many villages surrounding national parks. So many people, so many eyes, so many ears. And they're going to protect the investment that's in there. We, we worshipped animals for hundreds of years. You know? yeah. We don't... We, we worship mice. We worship everything. There is that... You know, they will... Maybe, you know, you'll have the odd case you'll hear of, but everybody respects animals, you know? fascinating. Do you have to get uh, like shots and stuff? Any inoculations? I would before? check with the CDC website. It keeps changing. Uh, not that many, I believe. How often do you get back there? And do you get to fish? Or are you working the whole time? Uh, I used to get to fish a lot before, but now I'm working. Uh, and letting and your dad. And I'm a dad. Yes, absolutely. So the next project is to get this little one onto a, onto a fish on the swing on one of the trips. My daughter, we haven't been out in a while. I think we're going out on Wednesday. Oh, cool. We're going to take the oh. boat out after camp. Oh, where are you going? Yeah. Uh, just out in Ruston. Oh. Yeah. And Trolling fish. motor. Oh, cool. Let's go for largemouth and bluegill. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. She's got camp there on the end of the lake, so I can just... Wow. Go pick her up. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. This is the best development. I'm looking forward to getting her to tie flies. Yeah. So I can put her to work. Get to work. Didn't Absolutely. Get to work. I need three dozen of those. We got clients this weekend. Any other crazy stories from from the outback? We get some incredible storms, and it's like a, it's like you know sometimes it's like China is because the mountains of China are right behind the big Himalayas. In in the impenetrable because it's so high and hostile. Yeah, everything but has right to go behind, around it. It's like. It's, Two thirty in the afternoon, and it's like China has thrown bombs on us or something, and it's just these incredible lightning strikes that you're having on top of these hilltops, like like a missile attack, and it's incredibly. The entire camp wakes up, and you all go and sit outside, and it's kind of partially what do the fish raining. do if they can feel landslides? What will happen to them in lightning, right? Yeah, just the high pressure comes in, and then you could you can start hearing them feeding at night on the surface. They have amazing suction. If you like any saltwater fish in life, without, when the barometer goes up, they suddenly you've got like... Put the feedbacks on. Because these minnows get all pushed up against the banks and you flash the lights, you can see all these prismatic things running everywhere. And then every once in a while you hear the congregation of a bunch of mice here, collect them, push them up against the bank and just lash them up. My goodness. It's incredible. What about the stars? Sounds at night? night. The sounds at night are so incredible. Yeah. And then there are alarm calls, because the alarm calls, the deer, the monkeys... Do the you monkeys know, steal the, your stuff? They don't, but they call when the tiger or the leopard is around. Because that's the, the monkey is the absolute final giveaway. The deer is called first. Yeah, the barking deer. The barking deer calls first because he's barking the most deer. It's a barking is a small hog deer. It's called the munjack. He barks first, and then the big samurai looks much like your elk. 
he, he, and then it's like, oh, there's a predator in the area. And then the one when the monkey's gone, then it's just like, give away. It's like, sealed the deal. That's what I mean, the car with the locks down. <laughs> That's when you're sitting in your tent saying, uh, <laughs> no, but uh, these cats have, it's gone into their genes to avoid human beings. We've hunted them for so many generations. We're not their natural they're coming to camp for dogs. They're coming to camp for scraps of meat from the last night. Sounds Barbecue like the coyotes around here. Pretty much. I mean, they're big cats, but but they're in the in. in I've spent probably about twenty years on those rivers. I used to be a rafting guide before him out and out back, camping and absolutely right, literally staying under. You know, you river guides. You you know run across for a river. You're so tired by the end of it, setting camp. You don't even set up your own tent. You just flip a boat over and you sleep, sleep. under it, right? You've had leopards so close, never any issues. Just wake up and you see tracks. And it's just so fascinating. It's like, as long as there's no elephants. Like, elephants is like bad news. It's a trample stuff. Uh, Ask Jeff Currier and he'll tell you some elephant stories. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just, they're bad news. One of Amy, who's a TPFR member, did a trip recently down in Baja. She posted all these pictures and then it's like a dinner group and there's Granny and Jeff just randomly with her. Awesome. At dinner. I was like, how'd you land that one? (laughs) They're such awesome people. Yeah. Jeff's, he's just, God, I don't know if it's luck or what. No, he's just, I've fished with him so many times. He's so talented in many ways. I mean, the few guys you can say that about, literally. I mean, off the back of my head, like, just top, top rods ever. Just sit there and watch Exploratory trip, Jeff. Help. Jeff, help. It was, he just, it was really like that. Just, I went up to him on a show in California and like, dude, you got to come up and check these fish out. Literally, we got to figure these fish out. We cannot figure these out. And it was his first trip when he was filming with Chris Bailey at Real Outdoors, a show which I think went off uh, TV uh, a while back. Uh, you know, he, he nailed literally, you know, fish after fish on this amazing trip, which is when we started fishing the Tiger Reserve. If you Google Basir, it's his picture that pops up yes. first. He's 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 an incredible incredibly talented man. Yeah. My goodness. Let's see what else. I had another question. But it's uh, the, it's, it's the cultures that mind you, mind bo- boggle your mind. It's these guys who are sitting on up the hill, and grow everything around them, uh, and completely self-sustained. Just get salt isolated. and cell phone batteries. And just live the most pretty life overlooking these beautiful Himalayan bridges and Himalayas of China and sitting, eating organic food, organic to the core. Like this seed has not changed for 300 years. Yeah. Like the finest millets, the wheats, the barleys, the goats, it's, everything is just going crazy. The way it should be. When we eat it, the way it should be. Yeah. And it's that which you take after, if there's anything, sight fish for a double figure mass here, blah, 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 huge fish. But it's that impression of India which is going so fast in that world. And India still has, in such a diverse and in such a deep-rooted way, still is one of the, culturally, is one of the most lasting impacts one does take. Which you have, it is a bit, it's completely different. The sounds, the smells, it's, you know, overwhelming. It's, a, it's, 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 it's all these amazing colors and sounds and cacophony and, you know, organized chaos, as we call it. Uh, but it's when you go into the, into the heart of these, Himalayan frontiers and you see inspiring you know sights of people living self-sustained lives yet so proud satisfied they don't want to do they don't want to be anywhere they else. Be is, they, that's, that's right there that's what they want to be right people there. that do this want to I mean it's not good for you how modern life is out here mm. no sleep pollution can sit in a desk all day 
this is not good for and us. And connecting with that is one of the lasting experiences yeah. on a trip like this. Can you guys float any of the rivers? Oh, we float them. This is this is a float trip. Really? So yeah, so we float the edge of India, and Nepal. So we float the borders of it. One bank is Nepal, one bank is India it's for seventy miles. And my boys set up, the guys set up, the, the, the team of the Himalayan Outback sets up camp on the India side. We get you visas, only Indian visas, very easy to get now. Our new prime minister's made it really easy. It's an e-visa which you can apply online and you know, literally grab when you arrive in Delhi and you're good to go for a month, you've got a tourist visa, you know, it's a 10 to 12 day trip. You're literally up on the Nepal border, uh, floating this river, camping on the ne- India side, uh, through beautiful jungles and leopard country. And you it, it literally and there's nothing on the rivers. Like it's just all undeveloped, just wilderness. It's wild. Luckily, till now it is, but roads are beginning to come in. So I see, you know, as much as as much as McDonald's India's, will be there soon. Actually, no McDonald's because you know, unfortunately, you know, we, we, there'll be a Starbucks there one day. And for, I wish there were more fly fishers in the world. Unfortunately, borders are like everybody wants to dominate and make roads on borders and show, oh, we are here. You know, and uh, unfortunately, that's what it's coming out to be. For the Mahasya, the good news has been India and Nepal have not been able to come to an agreement to make a dam on the river. So that's been good news for Mahasya. For everybody. For everybody. Yeah. But there are projects in, in the pipeline. Um, Do we need to start getting uh, the fly fishing community behind yes. anti-dams up there? More fly fishers in India, you know. Uh, the more fly fishers in India, you know, I, you know, I, you know, great rod companies like Temple Folk Outfitters because they they make good quality rods for such such good value for money. Absolutely, I see a great market for them, and I had Himalayan Outback. You know, literally them outfit Himalayan Outback completely with all their fly. We love their rods, and they're so like they're so well priced, and yeah. they're such good quality products. Uh, and, and I stand I, behind I wish, everything. I wish we can really go out there and, and get some more Indian fly fishers because. You know, they, they, are, they are the key to protecting, to, to, to really, you know, really, the environmental community in India blows my mind. People are passionate about everything. No idea. People are so love their animals. And the conservation bodies, for good and bad, are growing hugely. Um, so I'm very excited to be a part of this thing in India. Uh, Bhutan, Nepal, and I love. I would love to take these seeds and plant them into Nepal because I know Nepal desperately needs programs like this conservation, angling, community-based angling tourism models. Community-based angling. It's not all just communities. Not just mountain climbers, but yeah. there's a whole other outdoor industry that these guys are. Who's going to care for these rivers? The river runners are going to run right through, blow right through the water, and go down. The so fly fishers are going to end up spending hours in these. The rocks, they're going to look at these things more carefully than anybody else, any of the other sportsmen out there, you know, and water is, you know, the big, the big, it's going to be the big, it's going to be the big, big one. Have there been any environmental <laughs> issues with the glaciers melting faster now? Um, so they say, we don't, we, you know, we don't notice, notice, we do notice very erratic uh, weather patterns sometimes, but... Um, a uh, monsoon is a monsoon. Monsoon's a monsoon. Every ten years, it just it does let you know it's I'm around. You know, every ten years, it comes around and just knocks on the door properly and says, "Just get your act together, guys." You know, I'm around. You know, this is what I do. We haven't had a big hurricane here in a while. Mm. East Coast is due. It's great to it's great to you know take not take life too much for granted, yeah. control too many things. So let's talk about the magazine article you were featured in. It was, uh, it was Vogue? Oh yes, yes. We how, had our first group of lady fishers. Our first group of lady fishers came, and one of them was a writer for the Vogue magazine. And um, we had 
we had a lovely trip. We started it off with uh, going to the Jim Corbett Tiger Reserve, uh, spending a night inside the park, uh, seeing lots of wildlife with this really amazing dude, Ritesh Suri, who's an amazing naturalist, and he's got a great team of trackers. We've lived in around this park for over 20 years now. And then took that adventure up to a high altitude national park called Binsur National Park, which is right, you get a very in-your-face view of one of our highest mountain peaks, which is just under 8,000, uh, it's 7,780 7, meters. It's called the Nanda Devi. It's a, it's a massive mountain peak. which 7,000 meters? So yes. That's, it's it's that's a highest. It's a 14er. It's, a, it's a, one of our highest mountain wow. peaks. So you're in an amazing view of this, and you stay in this lovely lodge inside, and from there they drove via these ancient temples, uh, said to be over 2,000 years old, all the way to the Nepal border from a different direction See, and drafted them. I'm from here, like 1970s architecture is old to me. 2,000-year-old structures is unfathomable. Yes. Uh, and then it just, you can just get lost in that world. Uh, it's just, you know, you can just keep digging and probing into things and there's just no end. Uh, it's, just, it's just so much going on. Yeah. Fishing-wise, the Masir is pretty much the only fish you're going to target. Is it your... It should be on everyone's bucket list? I think the Masir is a great fish because it's not that... It's, it's, it completely is... It's completely different. It's, it's going to completely... It's completely off, off the menu. It's like... It, 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 it's a, such a... It's almost the whole mystery behind it is... And the whole legend behind and, and, and the toughness of trying to catch it. It's, it. It is really one of the pinnacle fish to catch in you know, legendary fish to catch. It's like probably a king salmon on the fly, you know, or a steelhead on the fly, you know. But in the Himalayan mountains, in the Himalayan mountains, and the rivers as fast as any of those, you know, BC falls and all of that. Uh, it, it, what, what was I talking about just before this? And I completely lost myself. Um, just like the bucket list fish. That the is, bucket list yeah. fish. I mean, it, it's going to kick your ass so bad. It needs to be on your bucket list. So since this is and your it just job, almost gets back into it that you keep, keep coming back to it. It just gets into your head. So it can play with your head so much that it's, it's for an angler, for the ultimate journey of an angler. What's your bucket list since this is what you get to do? My bucket list is definitely King Salmon, from what I've heard on the fly. Steelhead is my steelhead. legendary. I love steelhead. I've never caught one. Uh, I've uh, Atlantic salmon as well, but permit you know, uh, but just going into these amazing places, you know, uh, you know, without a mindset of, with a mindset of just learning from these amazing old cultures, you know, these excuses to get back into ourselves, you know, and just the journey of Rangpa, you know, with these fish bring out so well in us, so. Fantastic. All right, well, let's wrap up because we got to go tie some flies. Awesome, awesome. Uh, again, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on HimalayanOutback.com or Yellow Dog Fly Fishing Outfitters and FlywaterTravel.com. Uh, three best places to find me. Are you going to do any of the shows this winter to promote? Um, I would love to. Uh, probably not this year because of our baby, but next year for sure. I'm going to get on the road. Uh, uh, and it's great fun to be up with Jeff Carrier and, you know, all the dudes in the industry. And, yeah. Yeah. I've been trying to get you on this for a long time. I think it was Dan that introduced me. I actually had talked to Dan for about 15 minutes today on the phone. Oh, cool. How's yeah. he doing? He's good. Cool. Been traveling with his family a lot he lives this summer. in a beautiful part of the country, man. Yeah. Vermont is just absolutely paradise. Yeah. We miss him down here, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Cool. Awesome. Cool. All right, dude. Well, thank you so much. Hey, thanks for doing this. No, yeah. Sorry, I was late again. <laughs> no, it's all right, man. It's, it's more the Virginia traffic. All right, we're going to go tie some flies now. Cool.
Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest. Me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.